Hello, uh, this is the part of the service that we're going to open up the Bible together and uh, before we do that I just want to get the elephant out of the room that uh, I seem to have a lot of elephants these days but I've, yes I've had a haircut, I put the wrong setting on, it will grow back, everything will be fine. Uh, <laughs> but moving swiftly on, my name's Thomas by the way, I'm a pastor of Inverness Vineyard Church alongside Mary and we are doing a little series called Words Jesus Spoke, looking at what Jesus said when he was here on earth. And uh, we have an account we're going to look at in Matthew's Gospel, so the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Chapter 21. And uh, this account is mentioned in all the Gospels. In John, the book of John, it's at the very beginning, but in Matthew, Mark and Luke, it's towards the end. There's a bit of debate as to whether it was actually another incident, another clearing of the temple that happened. But uh, what is more likely that is that John just wants to emphasise the importance and the yeah, just what had happened here. So we're going to be reading and we're going to ask Ruth. Ruth is going to be reading God's Word. We're going to get a few people from our church family to read God's Word for us as we unpack uh, it together. So Ruth, over to you. Morning, everybody. So I'm going to be reading Matthew 21, verse 12 to 13. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money chargers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house is to be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Bless that to us. Amen. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Ruth. And just to mention, if you're watching and you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, uh, get in touch. We've got a few that we could post out uh, to you, as long as you don't like request 50 or something. So to begin, I want to paint a bit of a picture for you. It's 2002 and there's a man called Lawrence, Admiral Lawrence Chalmers, who was reunited with a, a Vietnamese family that he had last seen in 1975 in the South China Sea. So after the United States have had withdrew from the Vietnam War, communist forces in the north began their descent on Saigon. And by April 1975, South Vietnamese were scrambling to get out any way they could out of Saigon. And there's a, an image which, which has been reprinted after the war of people trying to get onto a helicopter above the US Embassy. I'm going to show that image to you just now as it left Saigon. And there's a, a man called Major Bung Lai and his family. They tried to get out that way. They didn't, though. They weren't able to get out that way. They had no options left other than to cram themselves, uh, himself, his wife and his five kids, into a single-seat Cessna bird dog plane to escape. He flew, he flew through dense fog and he came under fire from Vietnamese and found himself heading out to sea without knowing what was ahead of him. And miles from shore, he was running out of fuel and he spotted the USS Midway in the South China Sea, this big ship. He flew towards it with the hope of landing on the carrier deck. And as he got closer, he saw that the flight deck was filled with helicopters that had been used to evacuate Saigon. So he had no radio. He didn't want to fly too low because it was in danger of them retaliating and thinking he was enemy and, and shooting them down. But he decided to fly close enough to drop a note, just remarkable, onto the deck asking for permission to land. He tied the note to a knife 
and, and dropped it down and he watched it fall. A gust of wind carried it off the ship. And he tried again with a boot and the same thing happened again and a keychain and he missed again. Finally, the, the crew of the USS Midway saw a survival pistol fall onto the deck uh, with a note attached that said, can you move these helicopters to the other side? I can land on your runway. I can fly for only one hour more. We have enough time to move. Please rescue me. Mayor Bung Lai, wife and five children. Admiral Chalmers got this message and his heart went out to the family. He wanted to help. The problem was that these helicopters to move from the deck weren't just any old helicopters. They were large transport helicopters and very expensive. He knew there wasn't enough room to move them and he decided there was only one thing that he could do. So he didn't want to miss this opportunity to help. He ordered the men to clear the decks. He ordered his men to clear the decks and they did. They pushed $10 million worth of helicopters overboard into the sea. And I'm just going to show you one of those pictures just now. Amazing. Once the decks were clear, the Cessna aeroplane prepared to land and then Major Bung Lai, his wife and his five kids came out safe and unharmed. Wow, what a story, what a story. Clearing the decks was originally a command given aboard ships that were approaching battle. When instructed, when instructed sailors uh, knew to remove any tools or uh, ropes or any other gear that might hinder them from moving about the vessel freely during battle. And today the term applies to any preparation that positions us for unencumbered action. C.S. Lewis in an essay called First and Second Things says this, the longer I looked into it, the more I came to suspect that I was perceiving a universal law. The woman who make a dog the centre of her life loses, in the end, not only her human usefulness and dignity, but even the proper pleasure of dog keeping. The man who makes alcohol his chief good loses not only his job, but his palate and all power of enjoying the earlier and only pleasurable levels of intoxication. It is a glorious thing to feel for a moment or two that the whole meaning of the universe is summed up in one woman. Glorious so long as other duties and pleasures keep tearing you away from her. But clear the decks and so arrange your life that you will have nothing to do but contemplate her. And what happens? Of course, this law has been discovered before, but will stand rediscovery. It may be stated as follows. Every preference of a small good to a great or partial good to a total good involves the loss of the small or partial good for which the sacrifice is made. Apparently the world is made that way. You can't get second things by putting them first. You can get second things only by putting first things first. I want to ask what is first this morning? And I feel this question has been faced by all of us in this season, in this pandemic season. There's a song lyric that says, even what the enemy uses for evil, God will turn it for our good. And, you know, this COVID-19 is evil. It's tough. There's pain, there's sorrow, there's questions, there's detachment. But we, if we know and love Jesus, we have faith as Jesus followers that even when we don't see him or feel him, he is working in the midst of the tough stuff. 
Now, I love my tech. Mary calls me Techie Tommy. That's my new nickname. Before, it was Tommy Two Sheds. In our previous house, we had two sheds. That's how it came about. But whenever my laptop freezes, whenever an app on my phone doesn't work, whenever the speaker that plays my music doesn't work, one thing and one thing only is in my repertoire of fixing. And that is to look for the reset function. So look for the reset function. That button that brings things back to how things were meant to be, that two second hold. And after that, everything will be reset. You know, Jesus in this account that Ruth read for us in clearing the temple courts was pressing reset. The temple courts were a huge open space, 33 acres uh, of the temple and the associated areas. The surrounding uh, the temple were stalls. Uh, these stalls changed money into Tyrian coinage needed for temple tax. So it was a currency exchange as such. And sold animals. There were stalls that sold animals for sacrifice. So uh, people would travel long distances. It wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to travel with their sacrifices. So they would bring their money and buy their sacrifices in the temple courts. Uh, and uh, it was a useful, necessary thing to have these stalls. But it got out of proportion. It got out of proportion. Uh, exchange rates rocketed. There was people taking advantage. Uh, the market took over this space. And bear in mind for, for Gentiles, this was a space where they came to worship. They weren't allowed any further into the temple, to the, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence dwelt. The temple courts was it. Prayer and worship was squeezed out. This was to be a place for encounter, but the noise would have been deafening. The temple was no longer fulfilling the purpose that it was built for. Some onlookers at this time would have been reminded of the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. It speaks of someone coming who will refine, who will purify, who will put things right. And, and Jesus, in a, in a sense, in this action, was purifying. He was putting things right. He was making, uh, revisiting and refocusing on the main thing, making the main thing the main thing. Putting things first and in their rightful place. And of course, the temple building thing didn't quite work out for a number of reasons throughout God's word. But then we have Jesus claiming he is the true temple, the new temple. And uh, through Jesus's life on earth, through his death and through his resurrection, God's rule, God's rest and God's reign was filling the world. This new temple would expand out to include us. After Jesus' resurrection, God's presence will dwell, would dwell in his followers, in you and in me if we know Jesus. We are many temples. We are known as the church, a temple, not a building, but people. Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, speaks of us being living stones that God is building. God is living in us. Wow, what a thought. God is living in us, in you and in me. How are our temple courts this morning? Because in all sorts of ways, and this is a word for all of us, this feels like clearing the temple courts kind of opportunity. 
there is a reset happening. There's that button push for two or three seconds in all sorts of ways in people's lives as we wait to return to whatever normal is after the virus. For a large part of the world, centres of people's lives have been removed. Things we have depended on that have brought purpose and meaning have been taken from us. There is a void and folk are picking up other things as a result. I've started gardening. So I just want to say here, move over Monty Don and Charlie Dimmock. Thomas and Mary are in the gardening world. <laughs> I love it. I love the piece of it. I love uh, just, yeah, I, I love planting things. I've wait, yet to see if they'll grow, but I'm even asking, like, what am I just now? What am I? What have I become? <laughs> I'm buying trellises and I'm getting excited when Mary... Uh, I was in the garage and I seen a rose bush that Mary had bought as well to plant in her garden. In the, the interest of transparency, our grass needs cut as well, so we're not quite made it 100% yet. But that wasn't me before. I'm loving walking, going on our walks as a family. And uh, it just seems this last few weeks like there's been a burst of green, a burst of life everywhere. Hearing the birds and just taking a chance to go on adventures as a family. I appreciate it in a way that I've never felt before. You might be feeling that with friendships just now, with small group, with relationships, with kids, with your parents, with music, with reading, with faith, with discovering Jesus. Maybe you're tuning in this morning having never been to church, having never sat with us in Melbourne Academy. Or maybe you've been years ago at Sunday school and all of a sudden there's something drawing you to find out more about God. You may be asking, who, who am I right now? What on earth am I doing watching online church? I would never have done this a couple of months ago. Well, I just want to say welcome and please stick with us the rest of this morning's service. And what we are seeing in all these questions and pursuits and longings in this season is an opportunity to reset, to press that button. It's a, a stripping back to the very core of who we are and what we desire. Isn't it amazing when everything is taken away from us, we, we find out what's left. We find out uh, who we become. I never realised how dependent I was on McDonald's. <laughs> uh, yeah, just to cheer me up or we pick me up. And I'm being a little bit serious, a little bit jokey with that. But the things that we use to pick us up. We have a choice now in a way that we've never had we might never have again. Those things that we've looked for, for comfort, for filling us, no longer have that yearning right now because we can't go to it. And we have a choice to pick them up again in the future or to pursue something more worthwhile. What are we going to choose? What's going to change? We have an opportunity in this season to clear the decks, to clean, to clean our temples, to make space for what is important, to discover what this following Jesus thing is really about, like really about, to make space for worship, for mission, for prayer, for people, for this city, in a way that our generation will never see again. To choose, instead of social media, a social movement of encouragement and life-giving and courage-carrying and hope-bringing. 
Instead of binge watching Netflix to binge pray to binge worship. Instead of racing around our days to appreciate and to value and to treasure real refreshing rest. And you know as I, I reflect on this season as I, I try to journey it as best I can. I don't want to blow it. And I don't want our church to miss out. And I don't want to go back to the way things were. I don't want to go back. I don't want to live my life the way I did before. This season has just highlighted and pinpointed areas in my life where, uh, not that my life was terrible, but I look at certain parts of my, of my way of living and I think, what a waste. I think, what a waste. And I look at what I, I've worried on and focused on and give my attention to and allowed to uh, take up residence in my thinking. What I've decided to plant my feet on in certain circumstances. And I think, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Choices that were unimportant. There is more. There's more ahead for us. And now is the time to arise. I want to ask church, will you arise with me in this season to, to lock hands and, and let's go on a new path. Lock hands online. But just to declare this is, this is a, a new season with Jesus. This is a new season with Jesus to kneel down afresh, to surrender afresh, to let go, to let go. Some of us need to let go. To be real, to give up the pretense, to let him in, to encourage, to love, to go out of our way for our city and for each other. To pursue clean hands and pure hearts. To pursue holiness. To chase down accountability and friendship. Now is the time, I want to suggest now is the time to clear the decks. Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to give him your heart. Now is the time to love this city into life and to join in with what is already happening in Inverness and the Highlands. To place everything in his hands. Your money, your worries, your future. I want to come back from this season. Well, not only that, I want to take this week and I want to pursue Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to live and to love and to look at him and to him. I want to be unashamed. I want to be unashamed. I want to be unashamed in my living for Jesus. I want to glorify him in a way that I've, I've never done before. I want to shine for him in a way that I've never done before. I want to be a light. I want to be a light of hope where hope's gone for people in Inverness. And for our church to be a light in this city as well. For our church, for church to be known for what it really should be known as. Not to hide, but to be living stones. We have a choice. And I, I just want to leave us with this. Is this moment when we gather together online or, or gather in Melbourne Academy, is this the scheduled moment of our day? Or is it the surrender point of our week ahead? Is it the scheduled and planned moment of our day that we, we just go through and make happen and do and finish? Or is it the surrender point of our week, our coming week, the coming seven days? 
because what happens here is, is good when we gather together but what happens out there is when the church really comes alive it's when we get to be church it's when we get to be family and that's why we pray come alive that's why our vision is this is a place where we come alive to then go and bring life to our city it's important as we come together and, and pray for each other and, and journey with each other but it's not a it's not about here it's about being equipped for the week ahead for our workplaces for our homes for the streets for the people for the zoom calls the skype calls the what else is there the whatsapp calls all the calls we're going to have this week for the encounters to be hope bringers and courage carriers and there's a couple of guarantees with that it'll be messy it'll be tough but it'll be so worth it so one action I'd love to challenge us with this morning is to clear the decks. Clear the decks. Where have we neglected prayer and worship and our life for Jesus? Where have we made something that is to be so sacred and so precious and actually turned it into something else? Let's clear our decks. Let's press reset. Let's live 